Daily Gazette Company presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Sports Editor, Ken Shot. Thank you, Scott Easy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast studio in Schenectady, New York. We're going to talk college across and uh, pro baseball in this edition of the podcast. Katie Thompson, the uh, head coach of the Albany women's lacrosse team, will join me. We'll talk about the team's victory in the America East Tournament Championship game on Sunday and their NCAA Tournament game against Virginia on Friday. And Tri-City Valley Cats manager Pete Incavilli will join me for two segments. We'll talk about the upcoming Valley Cats season and we'll reminisce about the 1993 Phillies who uh, made a surprising run to the World Series that year. Uh, it was the 30-year anniversary of that and it's a little close to my heart there talking about that 1993 team so uh, and I had a nice conversation with people you'll hear that in just a few minutes the Union College men's lacrosse team will be hosting the second and third rounds of the NCAA Division III uh, tournament uh, Saturday and Sunday. And the Dutchman will be playing Western New England in the second round. And to talk about that is the head coach of the Dutchman, Derek Whitford. Derek, uh, welcome back to the podcast. Hope all is well. Everything's great. We're in the NCAA. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Well, it's been an interesting season for you guys. You know, obviously last year playing in the national championship game, and you guys got off to a good start, but then injuries really, you know, sort of you know, had, had an effect on the season. How did you overcome that? Um, hey, we, it, it was part of life. You know, these kids uh, responded really well to stepping up in new roles and uh, taking on new challenges, and I'm really proud of these guys. So, uh, it was a little bit of a, um, it was a little bit of us kind of fitting pieces in different places and seeing who plays well in, in certain roles. Um, so it, it took us a little time, and then once we think we figured out, uh, I think our team has really responded well to it. Yeah, I mean the offense was sort of affected by the the injuries. Is that, am, I, am I correct in saying that? Yeah, I mean if you leave, if you lose a first team All American attackman, um, I think things are going to change when he goes down. So. Uh, yeah, it, it did affect us a little bit, but um, as, as, as I said, I think uh, a bunch of guys stepped up in his place. You're not going to have one guy replace Peter Burns. Yeah. I mean, just talk a little more about his uh, role with the team, Peter, and how he's been for the program. Uh, after his, his injury or before? Uh, just overall, just before and after the injury, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, since he's had a great attitude since this has happened, um, better than I would have expected. And, um, you know, he's really continued leading the, the team as a captain, you know, as a fifth-year captain. So, um, you know, really proud of him coaching guys up and being a positive influence on the sideline. Um, you know, and on the field, just having an attackman of that caliber um, is something that we haven't had in years. So, um, you know, his play on the field really thought um, – we thought we could be in any game, and, uh, and and we were in most of them when he was on the field. Yeah, uh, who who has stepped up that you, maybe you didn't expect to step up uh, after Peter's injury? Yeah, it, it's been a it's been a bunch of guys. Um, you know, Zach Davis has stepped up his game tremendously. Peter Kipp, two midfielders. Um, you know, but then we've had a freshman Emmett Line step up to do a great job in, in spots. Clayton Curry has really stepped up, uh, kind of filling the crease role, and um, you know it's it, it's been uh, it's been fun kind of seeing them blossom through the year. Now, of course, uh, to get to the NCAA's, you, you had to you know go on the road, and uh, obviously going over RPI is not that far. I mean, you lost to them in the regular season. What was the difference um, this time playing them, and how much did that game? You know, if, in effect, help you guys clinch a spot in the NCAA tournament. Uh, that 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 one got us into the tournament. So, uh, you know, we were we were fourth in the region before that win, and we bumped up to second after that win. So, uh, it, was, it was the number one reason why we made the NCAA tournament. Um, the big difference was, uh, you know, I think we were a little bit more prepared as a coaching staff, and um, you know, we saw some things that we could have fixed uh, from the first game to the second. But most importantly, um, our kids played hard and they played um, shot the ball well, and uh, and some of those offensive pieces that we spoke about really started gelling at the right time. So we were a different team come when we played them the first game to the second. Yeah, I mean, talk about your defense too. I mean, it starts in goal there. Uh, we just talk about that first. Yeah, I mean, he, he's a rock. He's uh, he's about as steady as they come. Um, 
plays always plays big in, in big games, and uh, we rely on him to make some crazy stops, and uh, he usually does. If you mention his name, we obviously we didn't mention his name. <laughs> Dan Donnie, Dan Donnie, don't forget it. Yeah. Um, to be able to host, uh, I mean, were you kind of surprised that when the uh, the pairings were announced on Sunday night that you, you got the host again this this year? Yeah, we were a little surprised. Um, um, we, we put our we put our name in to host, um, just kind of of a thought and prayer, and um, and we got lucky. So uh, you know, we'll take it. We're still in school. Our uh, our student body is fired up, and our and our and our team is fired up to play at home. Tell me a little bit. What do you know about Western New England? Uh, they got some really good offensive talent, and uh, we played this team last year, and. Um, and we saw firsthand what they were able to do when they played Lynchburg and had a huge come from behind victory before they played us uh, the next day on Sunday. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it's a tough team and very well coached by John Kopacki. And, um, you know, they have some really good attacking. They have an attacking of the year in their conference, the CCC, who had 100, over 115 points uh, this year. It's first year starting that attack. So, um, you know they're they're really talented and have a lot of experience and and they have a sec another attackman who uh, who was an all time leading scorer for them in, in Western New England history. So um, they're experienced and they're um, seasoned. So uh, it, it's going to be a lot for us to handle for our defense and our goalie. And uh, the other game that we played on uh, Saturday at noon, uh, Middlebury will be there as, as, as at the time we're taping this. We don't know who Middlebury's opponent will be either, either be St. Mary's of Maryland or Merchant Marine. Uh, what do you know about Middlebury? Um, we played Middlebury this this season and uh, down in down in Austin, Texas, and lost to them. Um, so we know what they're going to do. They're going to run a zone offense, a zone defense, excuse me, and have a ten man ride. And they're really deep and talented. So. Um, you know we, we, that's going to be a huge task if we uh, if we are lucky enough to get past Western New England on, on Saturday. That reminds me. I mean, I, when I saw that schedule and you guys were playing in Texas, how did that game with Middlebury end up playing being played in Texas? Uh, me and Coach Campbell have a great relationship, and um, we both have kind of funky spring breaks. So uh, it, it's been a, worked out really well the last couple of years. We have played on spring break, and um, this year I think he had a two or three Austin, Texas kids on his team. So I think he wanted to go there and uh, and play and use it as a little bit of a recruiting tool. And uh, we were able to play at uh, UT. And uh, it was a really cool experience for both teams. What does it say about this, this sport of lacrosse? I mean, obviously, uh, it's, it has grown. It's not, really no longer a mid-Atlantic region sport. We were seeing teams out west. Uh, my next guest in the next segment, Katie Thompson, her New Albany women's team is going out to Denver to play Virginia. So we, the growth of this sport has just been truly amazing. I mean, how do you see it? Yeah, I mean, it's... It's growing all over the place. We're getting kids from everywhere, even at Union. Um, we have kids from California, from um, Colorado, from Chicago. So uh, there's kids everywhere out there, and it's, um, I think it says something about our game that you can uh, you can come from anywhere, you can be any size or shape, and um, there's going to be a role for you. So it's it's pretty fun to to be a part of right now. What is it going to take for your team to you know, not only win this weekend, but get back and have a shot at playing for a national championship? We got to get through this weekend to have a shot at the national championship. So we got to beat West New England first. That's all I'm worried about. Mm -hmm. And what would it mean to get back there? Obviously, we could face RIT again, which they just they just seem to be a dominant team in this in Division Three. Yeah, they really are. Um, you know, but. Uh, I, we, we get another week with this team, and I love this team. Uh, they fought through adversity and injuries that was talked about um, and really stepped up to every challenge that they've faced this year. So um, I'm really excited just for one more one more week with this team. And if we win on Saturday, I'm excited for one more day with this team. So uh, we're, we're really just taking it one day at a time and, um, and one game at a time. Well, Derek, uh, good luck this weekend, and hopefully you guys get uh, move on and uh, maybe we'll be, be uh, battling for another uh, chance at a national title. That's the hope. All right, Derek, thanks, for, thanks again.
Thanks a lot. All right, that's Derek Weatherford. Uh, I'll be back uh, next in the segment. As we mentioned earlier, Katie Thompson, you Albany women's uh, head coach for the lacrosse team. They're taking on Virginia in the first round of the NCAA tournament in Denver. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. Meet Andrew Waite. He's a dedicated journalist with a passion for research and a commitment to getting all sides of the story. Whether it's a local issue or an upstate trend, I do the stories and interviews that shed light on what's important to you. Stay informed. Read Andrew Waite in the Daily Gazette. It's my job to offer commentary about what's happening in our community and what it means to our readers. The Gazette, reporting based on accuracy and integrity. It's who we are. It's what we do. Take the Daily Gazette, the local voice of the Capital Region, along with you wherever you go. Want to win an Apple iPad? Download the app at either the Apple App Store or Google Play and enter the contest inside the app to win. Don't wait. The contest ends July 31st at midnight. The winner will be notified by the email used to enter the contest. Good luck. Hi, this is Daily Gazette opinion editor Mark Mahoney. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Schott. Welcome back to the podcast. On Sunday, the UAlbany women's lacrosse team won its first America East tournament title since 2012 and is headed to the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2017. Joining me now to talk about the Great Danes is their head coach, Katie Thompson. Katie, welcome to the podcast. It's been a while since we've chatted on the podcast. First of all, congratulations. What a great season. What a great accomplishment. How excited are you and how excited is the team? Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, We are we're just on cloud nine. We are so excited for this opportunity. We are, you know, so proud of, um, you know, this opportunity and uh, just really, really thrilled um, for the championship and now the opportunity to play UVA in Denver. When the season began, what were the expectations of this team? Um, you know, I think this year we really took it game by game and really focused on the process and the journey um, and you know we, we we did have the goal of, of winning uh, the American East Championship but um, we were more focused on how we were doing um, you know what we were doing each day to help us get that and we just wanted to learn and grow and and be the best versions of ourselves each day. Yeah, looking at the early season schedule of the non-conference games, you had some tough games. You you know, you were, went to Johns Hopkins to open the season. You played Fairfield, which won the MAC tournament. Uh, Syracuse, you went to play there. You uh, went out to the West Coast for the uh, Stanford-UC Davis uh, daily double there. Looking, looking, yeah, looking back on that, how important was it to – you know, play those tough opponents and get you prepared for uh, conference play. Yeah, those experiences were huge for us. Uh, we love playing a strong strength of schedule and things that really helped prepare us for, um, you know, the, the season and how it progressed. And we just learned so much from every game and um, took away the positive, but also saw that the room for improvement that we, you know, kept focusing on. How important, you opened the season uh, hosting Vermont uh, back on March 25th, and you won that game 12-9. That was the first conference game of the season. How important was that victory, and how much did that set the tone for conference play uh, for you guys because you uh, rolled through it undefeated? Yeah, you know, that, that was a great start to, to conference. Um, you know, it, it was great to host Vermont, and, um, you know, that was a team that we had lost to in, in the championship last year, so... It was a good a good opportunity to um, to play them and start the conference, and you know we're really proud of um, you know the the win there, and then on to the next one. Did you see the team's confidence grow as as conference play went on, as the wins continued to pile up? I mean, the only loss you had during that stretch was a game against then number two ranked Northwestern on April eighth, and uh-huh. uh, you lost that by ten. But I mean, that was the only game non conference game sandwiched in the middle of those conference games. So how much as the conference games went along, did you sense, sense a growing confidence in your team? Yeah, you know this this group is so special and. Um... You know, always had that belief in, in themselves and in each other. Um, and, yeah, the, the confidence does grow when, um, you know, you are seeing those, those successes and what's working. 
um, you know, that, that keeps building you up. So, um, you know, it was really great to see, and it's, it's just such a wonderful group of young ladies. They work so hard and have such a great connection with each other. Of course, uh, you you rolled through New Hampshire in the semifinal of the uh, tournament. Then Binghamton, that was a tough game. Uh, when the whistle, final whistle sounded there on Sunday, what was the celebration like? And, and to to, know, to win that first tournament, first conference tournament title in uh -huh. a long time. Uh, it was just pure joy by everyone. Um, this is a a program win. We um, you know we couldn't have done it without all of our alumni and, and fans and support, um, and we're just so proud to to have brought brought the title back to you, Albany. Um, but I can't say enough about uh, my staff, Leah and Taylor, and and team for their belief and, and buy-in all season and um, for just for having that team-first attitude. Let's talk about some of your players. I mean, Katie Pascal's leading the team in scoring with 82 points on 45 goals and 37 assists. Sarah Falk is a goal-scoring machine with 61 on the season. Uh, Briar Hogg with 55 points. Uh, Sean Lee Wallace with 50 goals. I mean, talk about those players and their impact on, on what they've done and what they've meant to you. Oh, my gosh. You know, we, we have so many, um, you know, talented players and um, – you know, really love our depth on on the team in every position. Um, offensively, we have seven scoring threats on at one time. Um, you know, some players that you just named really producing a ton of a ton of points for us this season. Um, but you know, players are stepping up each game, and if uh, depending on how how the other team is defending us, you know, players other players step up and get open and, and make big plays. So it's just great. You know, any any day anyone can, uh, you know, look at the score sheet and, and have a big game. The goalkeeping, uh, you've uh, sort of been a balance of the goalie, the goalies, uh, Grace Sinebox uh, and uh, Angel and Sweeney. How has that worked? How has that mix worked uh, for you uh, with the alternating goalies? Yeah, you know, we have um, – Definitely in that position too, which is great. Um, you know that that's a position too where um, you know certain opponents uh, shoot a certain way or attack a certain way, and, and we just really look at the matchup and, and the strength of of our goalkeepers to um, you know put the team in the best position. So um, you know Grace Grace has stepped up um, as a freshman and and really um, you know played a lot in the end of the season, and just so proud of. So proud of her. Um, she's a competitor and so steady in cage. And, um, you know, we love having depth at that position. Now you're going out to Denver to face Virginia in the first round on Friday night, 8 o'clock. Uh, again, that will be televised by ESPN+. Plus. You sort of got to battle two opponents, a, a Virginia team you probably don't know much about, and playing in altitude. I mean, first of all, how are you going to deal with playing in altitude for the first time this season? Yeah, you know, we, we've been talking about it um, the past couple of days and, um, you know, all, all the advice that we've um, that we've heard is just the, the hydration. So we're, we're kicking that up and, um, you know, the players understand how much they have to um, hydrate and, and be smart about, about that um, and, and get really good sleep. So we're being as proactive as possible. Um, you know, to to be able to play in that altitude. What do you know about Virginia? I mean, this is a team that uh, lost to Notre Dame in the uh, ACC tournament by a score of 15-13. Uh, the Cavaliers 11-6 and overall. They went 6-3 and in uh, conference play. What do you know about them? Yeah, you know, I watch a lot of lacrosse, a lot of games, a lot of ACC games, and, um, you know, they're, they're, of course, a really, really talented team. Um, they, have, they have a lot of depth in their attacking and as well, um, they have some big, big goal, goal scorers, um, and you know we we think we can really battle with them um, at all ends. And you know I think it really starts with the draws. And uh, really excited for this matchup. So you know two um, top draw units facing each other. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, Rachel Clark, uh, their top goal scorer was sixty goals. She has seventy three points on the season, which also leads the team. In. And then Ashlyn McGovern with fifty nine goals, and that's that's a good one two punch for the Cavaliers. Absolutely, yeah. They're you know they're um, they're very good, and um, you know they they have great 
great players around them as well. Um, but, you know, really believe in our, our defense and, and goalkeepers and, you know, just going to do our best to limit their opportunities. What's it, yeah, what's it going to take to you know, hold them to hold them down and, and win this game on Friday? Yeah, you know, I, I think just possession time will be key. Um, like I mentioned, those draw controls and, um, you know, limiting turnovers and, um, you know, really working our offense for great quality shots. Well, Katie, appreciate a few minutes talking about the uh, the opening wins of the cross team. Congratulations again, and uh, good luck uh, this weekend out in Denver. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Tri-City Valley Cats manager Pete Incavillia joins me next for a couple of segments. We're going to talk Valley Cats baseball at the 1993 Philadelphia Phillies. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. Hey, auto racing fans, the Daily Gazette's auto racing contest is back. Here's how to play. Pick the top five finishers in the weekly NASCAR race and get a chance to win a $50 ShopRite gift card. To play, go to dailygazette.com and click on the auto racing contest banner. The Daily Gazette's auto racing contest is run by the advertising department and not affiliated with the sports department. Hi, this is Tri-City Valley Cat President Rick Murphy. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast with Daily Gazette Sports Editor Ken Schott. Welcome back to the podcast and the Tri-City Valley Cats open the Frontier League season Friday against Troy Rivier and their manager Pete Ingevilli is kind enough to join me here in his office. We're going to have a couple segments with Pete. We're going to talk about something near and dear to my heart uh, in the second segment, the Philadelphia Phillies of 1993. But first, Pete, uh, we'll talk about your team. First of all, how are you doing? Uh, how was your offseason? Good, good. Yeah, well, it was, uh, it was a short offseason and uh, a lot of work. You know, we had a lot of uh, change over here and uh, you know I felt like we needed to get a little younger a little more athletic so uh, uh, you know I'm glad the winter time's over and you know we're probably you know almost two weeks into spring training and uh, you know our guys are chomping at the bit they're ready to get playing uh, looking forward to opening day in a couple of days. Now, this is your third year here in, uh, in Troy. How much have you enjoyed the experience being here? Oh, I love it here. Fans are great. Uh, you know, the the city has, embraces the ball club. Uh, couldn't ask for a better place to, a better organization to be a part of. Um, you know, just looking forward to, you know, packed house at the Joe and, and getting this thing rolling. As we hear talk here on this Wednesday, a couple of days before the uh, start of the season, the roster is still a little bit in flux at this point. But how are things looking for you guys? Good, good, good. I mean, we're down to 25 guys. We got to make one more cut. Um, feel like we're, uh, you know, pretty deep uh, on the position player side, and uh, you know, I feel like you know those decisions were kind of easy. You know, we had to make some tough decisions on the pitching because we brought in a lot of guys, but. Uh, uh, feel pretty good. Feel good, good about the back end of our bullpen. Feel good about a rotation. Uh, you know, um, uh, if we have any concerns, I think it's that seventh or eighth guy in the bullpen, uh, which is always younger guys because you got to carry ten guys in this league that are rookies. Um, so um, you know, we'll just keep you know keep rolling and uh, hopefully the young guys come through. Yeah. Yeah, you guys almost made the playoffs last year. You know, just fell a little bit short. I mean, how much of uh, disappointment was that, and how much is his motivation this year? Well, yeah, I mean, it was disappointing. In '21, we finished a game out of the playoffs, and last year we finished two games out of the playoffs. So, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, both years we got off to slow starts. So, uh, I'm hoping we can change that this year. Get off to a good start here. We actually open up at home, which is nice. And uh, and hopefully get off to a good start and hopefully finish on the other side of that one or two games and finish in the playoffs. I mean, how important is it to get off to that good start? It's to keep momentum, especially, you know, because sometimes this roster is in flux as the season goes on. Yeah, I mean, it's always, you know, every game's important, whether it's the first game of the year or, you know, the last game of the year. They're all important. like I said, you know, we, we finished one and two games out of the playoff for two years. And, you know, if we'd have won one, more, one game or two games more early in the season, we'd have been in the playoffs. So um, I think it's very important for us to get off to a good start. It's always good to get off to a good start. It's good confidence building, good chemistry building with the ball club. So um, we want to get off on the right foot for sure. Who are some of the uh, key returnees uh, this year? Yeah, our shortstop's coming back. Seattle Culver, uh, Pavin Park's coming back, our third baseman. Uh, 
We brought uh, Zach Bierman back, who was with us in 21, our first baseman. So people will have a uh, remember him. Uh, McCusker's coming back, our right fielder. Um, so, you know, we got some familiar faces and some guys coming back. Um, don't have a lot of people coming back from the pitching staff. Uh, Brack Warren's back, our setup guy in the bullpen. We had a lot of turnover on the pitching side. Uh, you know, we had a lot of guys retire. You know, we had a lot of guys get signed and, and get picked up. So, uh, got some new faces, but there, there are quite a few familiar faces here. I mean, I, I covered independent ball back in the uh, mid-90s to about 2001 with the Albany Colony uh, Diamond Dogs of the Northeast League. I mean, you have those familiar p- players that come back and see as fans identify with that. How important is that? It is important, you know, uh, but lots of times it's not it's not our decision. You know, um, when it comes to any ball, it, it's... You know, it's about, you know, some guys decide it's time to hang them up and get on with their, you know, second careers. And, uh, you know, some guys get married, you know, like Trey Cochran Gill. You know, I thought Trey was coming back, who's been our closer for the last couple of years. has been great, you know, got married and, you know, it was time to move on, you know. So you run into a lot of different situations, but you definitely like to, you know, keep guys around that are fan favorites and the fans identify with, no question. One player that is not coming back uh, for the Valley Cats is Dennis Phipps, who led the Frontier League in home runs last year. Uh, he was traded to Charleston of the Atlantic League. Uh, he, 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 you know, he, you are very familiar with him because he played for you in, in uh, uh, Laredo and Sugarland. He played here. How difficult of a decision was it to trade him, and how much are you going to miss him? Uh, you know, Dennis played for me for eleven years. You know, he'd been with me for eleven years, so it was a, it was a mutual agreement. You know, Dennis wanted to uh, kind of move on and and uh, you know move uh, move up to maybe you know a little little higher level which is the Atlantic League and um, you know I, I'm not going to stop Dennis I mean he, he's given me 11 years of his career and he was a great professional he's a great Tri-City Valley Cat um, you know wish him all the best um, you know can't say enough good things about Dennis you know he was a definitely a fan favorite and you know, he really embraced the indie ball model. You know, um, you know, he really, you know, would, would stop and sign all the kids' autographs. And you know, anytime a guy hits 34 home runs and drives in 90 runs, I mean, he becomes a fan favorite and a manager favorite yeah. really quick. <laughs> what was the relationship with you and him? It'd be obviously playing for you for 11 years. There had to be a, a mutual respect and an admiration. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we you know, Dennis uh, is just a, a tremendous human being uh, uh, as well as being a very gifted baseball player I, um, you guys saw him on the back end you know he's 38 years old this year and um, you know when I had him you know he was you know in his late 20s and boy he could really run really throw um, I, I was very surprised that you know Dennis never got another opportunity to an affiliated ball to you know because he, he deserved another chance and I think that he saw, you know, I did everything I could to try and get him with another affiliated team, and I think he appreciated that, and there was a mutual admiration, you know, I really respected him as a player and as a human being, and I, I think he respected me knowing that I was doing everything I can to try and get him back into affiliated ball, so, you know, we, you know, he's more like my son than he was a player, you know, we, we spent 11 years with somebody, you know, you, you know, you tend to get close to him, so... Uh, nobody hurt worse than to see that guy in another uniform, no question. Uh, I noticed that one of the familiar faces, at least to me, and maybe some Mets fans as well, and is Aaron Altair. Yeah. Uh, what are you expecting from him? I mean, his major league career really didn't, I guess, pan out the way a lot of uh, the experts thought. Yeah, he, he was playing in, in Korea. Uh, I think he did play in the World Baseball Classic. So what do you expect out of Aaron? Well, I mean, uh, what I've seen, I mean, he's a tremendous athlete, a tremendous player, um, looks the part, you know, you, you can tell that uh, that guy played in the big leagues for, for a while. I mean, uh, he had two great years in Korea. I mean, a guy hit 30 home runs and drove in 100 runs in 20 and 21 in Korea. And, you know, I mean, just you don't see guys that big, that strong, that fast. Um, he doesn't look like he's 32 years old. I mean, to me, he looks like he's in his mid-20s. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised that, if, you know, if somebody gets hurt or, you know, they need an insurance policy in AAA, a guy that they can put in the big leagues and 
not embarrass him. So, um, I, you know, I'm thinking big things from him. I mean, I think he's going to hit some home runs, but he's also got a, a good baseball mind and very prepared for his at-bats. And, um, you know, he, he's even better in the clubhouse. You know, great chemistry guy, loves his teammates, you know, helps anybody that asks him any questions. So, you know, if I had to have anybody come in here and replace that kind of role that Dennis Phipps had, it's there. Well, speaking of Phillies, if we're coming up, we're going to talk about the 1993 Phillies uh, with Pete. Uh, memorable year getting to the World Series unexpectedly after a disastrous 1992. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. I'll never forget the day I decided to go out for the football team. Mr. Banks the JV football coach and my history teacher, asked me to stay after class. I thought I was in trouble. He said, hey, Darius, have you thought about going out for football? I think you'd be great. Fact is, I never played football. Fact is, I never had anyone tell me I'd be great at something. So, with no experience at all, I signed up. And a week later, I padded up and was running drills on the field. I never was great, but playing high school sports was one of the greatest experiences of my life. I was accepted by my teammates, and I learned that when someone believes in you, you can believe in yourself. Encourage a student you know to take part in a high school sport. This message presented by NISFA and the New York State Athletic Administrators Association. Hi, this is Tri-City Valley Cats General Manager Matt Callahan. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast with Daily Gazette Sports Editor Ken Schott. Welcome back to the podcast. And uh, Pete Incavilli, the manager of the Tri-City Valley Cats, joining me for another segment. And we're going to talk about something near and dear to my heart. And I know Pete and I have talked over the years uh, when he first was the named manager of the Valley Cats. And I talked to him. We talked about the Phillies. And 2023 marks 30 years since the Phillies went to the World Series, a team that as I mentioned, coming into the break, there they were seventy-two and ninety-two, dead last in the National League. Uh, and you we were just playing in Detroit. You signed as a free agent with the Phillies. When you signed with the Phillies, what what did you expect? I mean, it's, nobody was ex- expecting much out of it. Seems like people were picking last place again, even though it was an expansion year. The, the Florida Marlins and the Colorado Rockies were coming in the National League, but this Phillies team basically was the same team, and what made that team special? Well, you know, it's funny, you know, uh, everybody picked us to be, you know, the bottom dweller in the NL East, and, uh, you know, we got to spring training and, you know, started looking around the room, and there were some pretty good players in there, you know, Jim Eisenreich, Milt Thompson, Wes Chamberlain, Ricky Jordan, Kim Batiste. Uh, along with, you know, you know, Lenny Dykstra's and your Darren Dalton's and your John Crooks and your Dave Hollins. And, uh, you know, uh, I think Jimmy knew what he was looking for. You know, uh, you know Jimmy was a tremendous manager, and um, I think he was looking for pieces to the puzzle. And, uh, you know, all the pieces fit. You know, uh, we got, you know, good starting pitching from Holland. And, uh, you know, Mitch had a career year, had 42 saves. And, you know, Schilling all of a sudden became Kurt Schilling, you know, one of the best pitchers in the in baseball. And, you know, we had Tommy Green who pitched real well. And we had David West and Larry Anderson in the bullpen with Mitchie. And, you know, we, we just, um, we clicked, you know. It, um, it was a very unselfish ball club. I mean, we didn't really care how we got it done. It was about winning baseball games. And we had a bunch of guys with a, with, with, with a lot of experience and uh, guys that knew how to play the game and uh, it just all clicked. I mean, I remember in spring training I, I think we won 15 or 16 games in spring training and we played really well and I think the confidence built going into the season and we got off to a great start. I think we were like 17 and 4 or something like that and, and you know, we just kept rolling. I mean, nobody believed in us but us and uh, people in that clubhouse, you know, and we also had a Tremendous coaching staff with Vukovic and Johnny Padres and Dennis Menke and and Larry Boa and I mean we had a lot and you know and Jimmy Fergosi we had a lot of experience in there and guys that we leaned on um, who were great with us and uh, it was just a you know 
just a perfect storm you know we just all aligned at the same time and uh, I mean I, I still say if we had got to game seven with Shill, we probably would have been World Series champions that year what attracted you to the Phillies I think it was the players uh, I think they had a lot of blue collar you know Johnny Crook Darren Dalton Lenny um, you know uh, I was with the Astros at that time and uh, I remember um uh, Lenny and Dutch talking to me when we were running on the sidelines with the Astros, you know, and and they asked me, you know, uh, would you, you know, players talk all the time, you know, I, you know, there, there's no tampering when players talk, and you know, and Crucky, uh, Crucky uh, actually played with my brother in the minor league, so I had a little relationship with Crucky, and you know, they were kind of feeling me out towards the end of the year with the Astros, and I said, yeah, I'd love to come play with you guys. You guys grind, you guys play hard, you know, it's right up my alley, and. You know, Jimmy Fergosi was a was a you know a grinder too, a blue blue collar guy, and so it was a good fit. Uh, it was a good fit for me, and it was probably the most fun and and the best years of my career. The years I spent in Philly, the fans were great, the city was great. They embraced us. Um, you know, as a matter of fact, we got the 30 year reunion coming up in August. So, looking forward to seeing seeing that and seeing all my old teammates and and the fans and the city. I mean, I you know. I can tell you out of all the years I played, which is something, you know, 13 and a half or 14, I can't remember. Um, by far the best years of my career were spent in Philly. Absolutely a joy. And you weren't a regular. You were platooning in left field with Mill Thompson. Mill Thompson. So be, you were happy with that then, right? Yeah, absolutely. It was all about winning, putting a ring on her finger, man. That's all we cared about. Um, you know, uh, nobody complained. Nobody bitched and moaned. And, you know, it was all about, you know, trust in Jimmy and let Jimmy do his thing and and uh, you know when, when your name was called you went out there and did your job and uh, you know that's the way we, we all were I mean Jimmy Eisner right probably one of the best hitters in the National League that year he was platooning with West Chamberlain and, and right and I was platooning with Milty and left and um, you know uh, uh, you know just like I said you know all the stars aligned and uh, you know everybody w was all about going out there and doing their jobs and not complaining and and go out and play hard every day and try and trying to win a world championship and guys stay healthy because man I know Dykstra for a long time in his Phillies he yeah. would get hurt and miss a lot of games but and yeah, Dalton obviously with his knees for his yeah. issue but it seemed like that year everyone was healthy and no there were really no major injuries none to the pitching staff uh, so how key was that to have everybody healthy well i mean i don't know how healthy we were you know but we managed to, to to get out on the field every day you know that's what i was talking about you know you had you had guys that uh you know you were going to have to drag them off the field you know i mean if you could walk you could play you know that's the way we, that's the way the kind of kind of ball club jimmy put together and uh you know i mean a lot of us were playing with injuries but there's a difference between being injured and being hurt, yeah. you know, and, you know, when you're playing for a World Series berth and a championship, I mean, you know, you don't really worry about that stuff, you know, you just, you just got to play through it. I mean, last time I was healthy, as I think, was when I was in high school, so, you know, all of us are that way, yeah. you know, so um, it was a great group of guys. Um, I don't know if you'll ever see anything like it again. Um, you know, a bunch of warriors just going out there and playing baseball the way it's supposed to be played. And you mentioned, I mean, Crook's a character. I mean, you, he's, he's funny as hell on the Phillies broadcast with uh, Tom McCarthy. Uh, Dalton was a character. Dykstra was a character. Hollins. Yeah. I mean, what was it like to be around those guys? Uh, uh, I mean, guys with character. Guys maybe had a little fun. Maybe yeah. a little too much fun. I don't know about that. But, uh, uh, but that they would you know balance that with you know being sure making sure everything was going right on the field well you know kudos to jimmy Fergozzi. he's about the only guy that could have managed that you know all of us um secondly um i think people looked at all the other stuff you know the off-field stuff never really looked at what we did for three and a half hours on the baseball field and uh you know these guys were consummate professionals grinders played the game the right way, played hurt, you know, did what they were supposed to do. You know, it, it was all about the job first and everything second. I mean, yeah, we did we have a lot of fun? Did we have a absolute blast in the locker room and, and have fun off the field? Absolutely. But it, you never saw that 
translate on the field. It was all business every day, and and uh, like I said, you'll never see a group like that again. I mean, it, it was an amazing, you know, three years that I played in Philadelphia with those type of guys, and you know, you, they're, they're, those are the type of guys. If you got to go to war and got to get in a foxhole, those are the guys you want with you, man. So. Um, I consider it an honor and a privilege to be a, be a part of that. Talk to me about the night you had the doubleheader against the San Diego Padres with the rain delays and all that stuff. And you ended up scoring, the Phillies lost game one, and you ended up scoring the game-winning run on a hit by none other then Mitchie Poo, yeah. <laughs> maybe of course Mitchie Poo called by the late great Harry Callis. Yeah. Uh, what was that? What was that night slash morning like? Well, I, I scored that run at 4:41 in the morning. I'll never forget that. And Mitch has never let us forget <laughs> for 30 years now that he's the one that drove that run in. You know, Mitch thought he was a position player first, then a pitcher, and uh, he take BP every day and. And uh, it was a lot of fun, but out of all the guys that could have drove that run in, it's probably the worst guy because we have never heard the end of it, and it's been 30 years, and we knew that when he drove it. It drove me in. So, but uh, like I said, it was a, it was an amazing year. A lot of amazing stuff happened, and uh, I, I think the biggest thing was our relationship with the fans. I mean, the fans embraced us. Um, we embraced them, and uh, it was a magical year, no question. When did you guys realize that you could win the National League East and get to the uh, postseason? Well, I think right out of the gate. I mean, we felt really good about our ball club coming out of spring training. Um, we felt like we had, you know, when you're when you're when you're looking for baseball players, you know, there's got to be a little bit of toughness in each player and. We had a bu bunch of tough guys, man, uh, a bunch of guys that, you know, if you were going to beat us, it was going to take a lot. You know, we we're going to go out and grind and play hard. We were going to slide hard in the second. We we're going to run the catcher over. We we're going to run into walls. I mean, we we're going to do anything we could to win a baseball game. And we had 25, you know, we had 25 of those guys, man, and that's hard to find. And, uh, you know, we had Ricky Jordan, who's probably one of the better hitters in the league that nobody knew about because he's playing behind Crucky. You know, and he never complained. You know, Kim Batiste did a great job for us. Um, you know, we had a young shortstop, poor guy. Um, we had a rookie shortstop that came up and had to had to learn how to play the game with with all of us. And he turned out pretty good too. It was really great. And you know, we just uh, you know, it was like I said, it was a magical year. And and uh, I don't think I I just I can't imagine a team that was so talked about on how bad we were going to be, you know, um, and, you know, we came within one game of becoming world world champions. Uh, that doesn't happen very often. Yeah. And that shortstop, of course, is uh, Kevin Stocker. Yeah. Uh, you guys got into the National League Championship Series. This was the final year of the East-West setup. The next 1994 is going to be expansion with the divisions. So this was the last true uh, division winners facing each other in the Championship Series. You guys uh, – the series is tied two at two two going into game five. You uh, blow the lead in game five, but then Dykstra hits that home run. Uh, the Phillies win that game, then you come back to Philly and then clinch uh, the National League in game six. What was the uh, celebration like uh, when you, you finally won and you, you realize you're going to the World Series? It was it was amazing. I mean, you know, we we were not we we didn't have to work very hard to have fun. So uh, nobody had more fun with celebrations than we did in the clubhouse. Um, it was amazing. You know, a lot of us had never been to the postseason. I mean, I, I had played seven, eight years and had been to postseason. Jimmy Eisenreich, same thing. Uh, Mill Thompson, same thing. You know, we had a lot of guys that played a long time that never got to experience any of that. So uh, we had a really good time celebrating. There's no question about that. But it was, uh, like I said, it was probably the most memorable and best year of my base, uh, of my career. We'll talk about Game 6 of the World Series in just a moment, but Game 4 of that series, uh, that was, I think, the one that really people sort of forget that game. You guys were ahead big. It was his late yeah. late start and ended up Toronto comes back, wins that game 15-14, and they take a 3-1 series lead. I mean, how, what was the mood like after that? Because, I mean, you guys could have had, you know, at least tied the series up at 2-2 two -two and said now yeah. you got to win three straight to try to win a World Series. Yeah, I mean, that – you know, a lot of people don't understand, you know, our bullpen consisted of Mitch, uh, Larry Anderson, and uh, 
and uh, David West, I mean, for the entire season, those guys were, were tired. And then we picked up Roger Mason, who, who really did a good job for us. And, uh, you know, we really had four guys in that bullpen that, that were throwing the baseball quite a bit. So, um, you know, uh, at some point, 162 games plus the playoffs, you know, guys run out of gas a little bit, yeah. man. And, you know, Mickey, Mitchie took the ball every time out. And, you know, like I said, you know, uh, it, 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 it might have been uh, not the, the greatest situations sometimes when he came in, but somehow he got it done, you know, and you got to tip your hat to that. I mean, he had 42 saves, you know, pitched his, you know, pitched his butt off for us. And, you know, no question of that, you know, when we're ahead 14 to 7, you know, we're figuring we're going to win that game, and it didn't happen. And uh, those things happen, but it's not to the fault of, you know, I don't fault anybody in our bullpen for that. I mean, those guys went out and grinded every day and gave us everything they had every day. And, and you know, some days you got it, some days you don't. You know, they gave it up that time. But, you know, we wouldn't have been in that situation without those guys in the bullpen. And Kurt Schilling pitches a complete game five to win it and send it back to Toronto for game six. And, of course, um, the Joe Carter home run, you were in left field for that. Uh, what did you see and uh, did you know right away that it was over? Yeah, I did. Uh, unfortunately, I did. I I, I, ha- I keep having to watch that for 30 years on ESPN. You know, it's not much fun watching myself run, you know, with my back to that ball and that ball landing in the second deck. and. You know, I mean, Joe Carter's a great player, great hitter. Uh, actually, the pitch was not a bad pitch. It was in off the plate, and, you know, Joe did what he, what he did his whole career. I mean, you know, Joe was a great player and hit a home run to win the World Series. You know, you got to tip your hat. You know, I mean, I, you know, even when we, you know, uh, when I was running back into the dugout after that, and you know, I was, uh, you know, so thankful and so grateful. Um for everything that we got to experience that year. I mean, none of us in the clubhouse were down or upset. I mean, we were, you know, hey, man, I mean, it, you know, we did something that nobody even thought was remotely possible. So we were all very proud of ourselves, and we all, you know, patted Mitchie on the back and say, hey, man, you know, it happens, man. But we wouldn't have been there without Mitch Williams. Yeah. Unfortunately, Mitch did receive a lot of flack from the fans. Basically, they yeah. chased him out of town. I mean, how disappointed were you in the fans and the way they reacted to him? Well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm never disappointed. You know, Philly fans are very bright and very educated, and they know the game. You know, they, they you know, it's a blue-collar town, and they expect you to, when they buy a ticket, to get their money's worth. And uh, I just think they were just upset. I mean, just like, you know, anybody would. I mean, uh, everybody wanted us to win that World yeah. Series, including myself. But, um, you know, I've... You know, fans are fans. All the fans weren't running Mitch out of town. You know what I mean? You know, there's always there's always the exceptions to the rules. You're always dealing with, you know, there's always a few in each group that, you know, take it a little farther than it needed to be. But uh, like I said, you know, we'd have never been there without Mitch. So, um, you know, I'm very proud, like I said, to be a part of that team. And, I mean, I think that's why, you know, even though we didn't win a championship, I think it's uh, one of the most popular teams in Philly's history. Do you keep in touch with some of the guys? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Uh, there's not many of us left, man. You yeah, know? yeah, unfortunately, uh, yeah. Jim Fergosi, uh, Darren, David West, yeah, yeah, they all passed away. I mean, it's terrible. So um, I think that's one reason why I'd like to get back and, and, and see my teammates. I mean, it's hard for me to believe it's been 30 years. Yeah. I mean, it's just crazy to think that 30 years has passed but um uh, it seems like it's gone it's been a blur so uh um yeah uh, like i said I, I can't wait to see everybody and uh you know miss dutchie and miss jimmy and miss david and you know i mean it just seems like uh you know uh, we're kind of falling like flies here so we better get together and enjoy each other and for as long as we can because uh, tomorrow's not promised man pete i appreciate you spending some time talking about the valley cats talking about the phillies and uh good luck this season and um, hopefully in august have some fun down in philadelphia one more time it sounds great man thank you all right that's uh tri-city valley cats manager pete incavelia i'll be back to wrap up the podcast and have the latest winners in the daily gazette's auto racing contest in just a moment
If you really want to know what's going on in your community, you have to read the Daily Gazette. We don't take a side. We're right down the middle and we're going to get to the truth. Our reporters and photographers are out in the field bringing you updates every minute with trust, accuracy, and integrity from the first page to the last page, independent, probing journalism. We're finding out what's going on in the community where nobody else is covering. It's who we are. It's what we do. Hi, this is Daily Gazette reporter Chad Arnold. You're listening to the Pardon Shots podcast with Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Schott. Back to wrap up the podcast. The Week 12 winner in the Daily Gazette's auto racing contest was Ann Bombs of Schenectady with 55 points and wins a $50 ShopRite gift card. Congratulations, Ann. The VIP winner was me with 35 points. The magic is back, folks. Um, hopefully, I'll make my move to the top of the standings, but it's going to be a little tough. Uh, I'll announce the auto racing contest winner's name, and that winner's name will appear in Friday's Daily Gazette. To play, go to dailygazette.com and click on the auto racing contest banner. Keep checking out dailygazette.com and the print edition for the latest updates in news and sports on how COVID-19 is affecting us in the capital region. I want to thank all the doctors, nurses, and first responders who are dealing with this situation. We appreciate the job you're doing in this difficult time. If you have not gotten vaccinated or a booster shot, please do so. Do it for yourself. Do it for your family and do it for your friends. That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I want to thank Derek Whitaford, Katie Thompson, and Pete Incavilia for coming on the show. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. Follow me on Twitter at Slapshots. The views expressed on the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of the Daily Gazette company. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of the Daily Gazette Company. I'm Daily Gazette Sports Editor Ken Schatz. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Parting Shots podcast studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good sports.